don't need it, we're going to look at Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 22nd verse that declares, whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. And I looked through the word of God the past few days at all the references to wife or wives, and there are hundreds. I looked at the references to moms and daughters, and there are, there are dozens. Uh, all the way through scripture, you will find a, a, a connection where God has raised up and God continues to use godly women. We've watched the past several years as some of the ladies of our world have touched humanity and has pr produced for eternity. Mother Teresa it was some, one, of the, one of the ladies I thought about. And I just wanted to go quickly through the scripture this morning and, and reference some things. And uh, those of you uh, listening by tape, I hope you didn't hear the last line of that particular song that I played. But I want to talk just a little bit about a, 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 a young lady. Whosoever findeth a wife finds a good thing. And uh, I remember uh, hearing a story of uh, uh, a season when God found a servant that he was very proud of. It was a man that had blessed the kingdom, had led many to the Lord, had given thousands of dollars to the church. And uh, one afternoon, while he was minding his own business, riding his Harley Davidson down Beach Boulevard, God stopped him. And God said to him, you have been such a faithful servant. You've been such a good friend. You've been such a, just, just have, have built the kingdom and sowed and planted. And I just felt like that I wanted to stop you and I wanted to bless you. And I really want you to think about it for a moment. And I want you to have anything that you want. And you asked me for it this morning. I'm going to give it to you. The man thought for a minute. He said, well, God, really, you know, I'm, I've been riding my Harley all over. I'd really like a bridge from L.A. to Honolulu so I could ride back and forth to Hawaii uh, as often as I wanted. And God was quiet for a minute. Then he said, you know, I can, I can do that. I can provide that request. I can, I can supply that. But you know what? When you think of all of the effort and all of the expenses and all of the labor, all of the hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars that would go into that, aren't you, are you sure that you don't want to add something more positive, something that will bless humanity, something that will heal mankind? The gentleman was quiet for a moment. He said, okay, God. I said, I said why don't you, God, why don't you just answer some questions for me? Why is it a woman says she wants to do something when she really wants to do the exact opposite? And why is it when they said they don't care where you go to eat, they really do care where you go to eat? And why, God, do they fuss every time we leave our socks on the floor or, 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 or clothes uh, strewn around the bedroom? I mean, God, why? all of a sudden God stopped and said, excuse me, do you want that two lane or four lane? <laughs> I borrowed my thought this morning from two texts, one from the X-Men. I'm a big X-Men Wolverine fan, and uh, I, I kind of uh, enjoyed seeing Rogue on the, on, the, on the series. I don't know if you've watched it or not, but Rogue is a young lady that she really can't touch anybody or she will kill them. And uh, how, how interesting that would be if that really was your forte. So I borrowed a part of that from, from X-Men, and then I borrowed uh, the other part from uh, Sarah Palin's book and from, uh, 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 help me, well, uh, the, the minister you, you preached for, Wellington Boone, wrote a book. And so my thought of my, the, thought of, or the title of my message today would simply be, Kingmaker Goes Rogue. Kingmaker Goes Rogue. And when you think about what it takes to make a king, 
the very basic answer to that, part one would be a mom. As I teased with you earlier, had our parents not had children, we wouldn't be here. And as I go on Facebook, almost every day, it's, uh, I have 578 friends now. I'm trying to catch Pastor Rhonda. Uh, if you go on Facebook, there's a place there where it shows you who all has a birthday that day. And you can let them know happy birthday. And since I've been on Facebook, whenever it's someone's birthday, I always comment on the, on the thought that today we honor your mom, who did not abort or abandon, but allowed you to come to this world allowed you to pursue the God destiny that you had and the things that God had for you. It's amazing how important when we think about it, it, it it's amazing how important women are. And look at somebody and say, he's preaching good, you better pay attention, act like you mean this, or you'll be eating uh, bad stuff for lunch. So as I, as I walk through the Word of God, I begin to look at some of the thoughts and some of the, some of the things going on. And when I think about going rogue, uh, I, I, we had to begin with Eve I mean, Eve was a chick that talked to snakes. I mean, I don't know if you have women in your house, and hopefully if you do, they're married to your daughter, but girls do not like snakes. They don't like snakes. They don't like spiders. They don't want anything to do with them, and I agree with them. The only good snake is a dead snake, one that's been killed several times. Do I get a witness in the house today? Can anybody respond? But, but Eve, was a, Eve was a young lady that talked to snakes. How cool is that? I looked at the life of Deborah, Nobody would step up to the plate and be the judge and be the minister, be the prophet that was needed for that particular generation. So a young lady by the name of Deborah said, I will step up and be what God has called me to be. I look at the, the, the life of Sarah, whose laughter, according to God's promise, allowed her to name her son. She laughed. God said, okay, his, his name will be Isaac, which means laughter. I think about Rebecca, who was selected not because of her beauty or her money, but the fact that she was a servant and she watered all the camels of Abraham's servant, and she was chosen later to have war in her womb, two sons born, both of them directly opposed to one another. And still today, Arabs and Jews are fighting because of what came forth from Rebecca's womb. How cool is that? I think about the life of Esther, who was selected for one day to stand before the king, and before she stood before the king for six months, they oiled her skin to make her soft and pretty, and then for six months they perfumed her so that when she stepped in the presence of the king, she would have a lovely fragrance. Uh, research will tell you the fragrance that Esther walked in was the fragrance of crushed tangerines. How cool is that? And if you're a Clinique fan, they have a clone called Happy that smells a lot like crushed tangerines. I, I think of Job's wife and really would like for you to give this uh, prayerful consideration, who had from her womb 20 children. Now think about that just for a moment. And I don't think they had C-section or epidurals or morphine in those days. I think about a young lady by the name of Miriam that manipulates Pharaoh's daughter to raise her brother. I think about Abigail who was married to an idiot stood up for him, protected his life, but idiots, they don't learn. He got killed, and this young lady became the wife of a king. I look at the ministry of Rachel, who actually manipulated mangroves to spend quality time with her husband, only birthed two children. But aren't you glad that Joseph came upon this earth, went to a pit, went to a prison, went to Egypt, and redeemed Israel from destruction? Then I look at the life of Bathsheba. 
was at the wrong place at the wrong time. The wrong person saw her, offended her, wounded her. She lost her, she lost her newborn son, but God later allowed her to bring upon this earth a young man by the name of Solomon, who was the wisest man who has ever lived next to Jesus. And then I think about Naomi, who was too old to have children, but she decided to go back to Bethlehem, back to Judah, back to the land of praise, the house of bread, and she took with her her daughter-in-law by the name of Ruth. And I thought it was amazing that Ruth taught us the, the concept of commitment. Hannah begged God for a child and had five. The virgins who slept in the bed of King David, keeping him warm. The servant's girl who led Naaman to Elisha. Mary the mother of God, Elizabeth, too old to birth a prophet, yet did, the widow that fed Elijah, Rahab the harlot that was, was, was such an intercessing tool that she was in the lineage of Christ. When I look at some of the, some of the women of God and some of the things concerning the women of God, I am glad that ladies are here to make a difference. I remembered um, uh, hearing a true story of a, of a newlywed couple uh, they came back for their honeymoon and sat down to their first meal. And so before the wife served her new husband, she said, now you've got to realize my mom only taught me how to cook two things, meatloaf and apple pie. After she served him a plate, he looked at the plate, he looked at her and said, which one is this? On a lighter note, Now they get okay. Kind of slow there, guy. You're, you're, you're worrying me a little bit. Maybe it was the big band that, that got us all distracted. When I, when I think about the women of God and when I think about what God has blessed us with, I look at the three character, characteristics I think that is prevalent in the church and in the world today, and we find them by the daughters of Job. As most of you know, Job is probably one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, he was a guy that served God without a pastor, without a church, without, without a Bible, without tapes, without CDs. Matter of fact, he did not have a burning bush experience. He never saw God. And later we will learn that he shares that he had heard of God, but now his eyes had seen him. Job did not see the revelation of God until God revealed to Job the enemy, Leviathan, Satan, who was trying to destroy him and try to kill him. And when you begin to go through spiritual battles in your life, and you obviously realize that this is not the norm, this is not regular, this has got to be demonic. I shared a, uh, several minutes this past week with a very precious uh, a cousin, one of, one of my favorite cousins, and a young lady that has prevailed through, through a lot of storms. And I won't say a whole lot because this is being taped, but she's served the Lord her entire life. She's just a couple years younger than me, and is going through right now probably one of the, one of the greatest trials of all time. And, uh, and she said, Hank, she said, when, when is enough enough? When do we get the promises of God? When do we prove ourselves faithful and, and, and we are faithful? And when do we have our miracles and our breakthrough and our restoration? And I, I just felt like the Lord impressed me to tell her, you know, darling, Job and Joseph did not enjoy the, the journey that they were on. Job did not enjoy the fact that he lost 10 children that he was sick, almost dead, that he lost all of his wealth. And he didn't know why he was going through what he was going through. Matter of fact, he thought maybe he made God mad. And he said, though God slay me, I'm still going to trust him. He's the one that said, naked I came into this world, and naked I shall receive. What a, what a, I shall leave. What a mindset concerning financial security. His hope was in God. 
And he, and he also realized the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I think the greatest revelation that Job gave you and I today is that Job had come to a place in his life where he wanted to fuss at God. And here's what Job said. If I could find him, Christiana, he would listen to me. If I could find him, if I could have an audience with God, he would answer my question and deliver me from this pit. I look ahead, he's not in front of me. Sometimes we get behind the things of God. I look behind, he's not there. Sometimes we get ahead of God. I look to the left where he doth usually move. All of us have a CD or a tape or something that brings God to where, to where we are. And on my right side, in the word of God, he says, I will be your right hand. He's not on my right. So he's not in front of me. He's not behind me. He's not to my left. He's to, not to my right. But nevertheless, he knows the path that I take. And when he is done trying me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Job knew all about gold. Job knew that gold was mined and placed in container and put over a fire and was stirred and heated. And the hotter the fire got, Kyle, the more infirmities and dross that would float to the top. And they would take a, they would take a screen and they would, they, would, they would skim off all of the junk and throw it to the side. And the hotter the fire got and the more they stirred, the purer the gold became. And Job realized, I am right in the middle of a storm. I'm right in the middle of a trial. I'm right in the middle of, 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 of warfare. And I don't, I don't know why I am. I don't know why everything's going on the way it's going on. And then all of a sudden, God allows Job to catch a glimpse of Leviathan. And we find at the very last phrase of, of Leviathan, it's not the crocodile that Moses was aware of that was spared when he was a child. The Nile River at this particular time had crocodiles that had grown to 10 to 12 feet long because the newborn Jewish baby boys were being thrown in the river and fed to alligators, crocodiles. And so God immediately gives Job a revelation concerning a crocodile, knowing that Moses would be the one that was going to write the book of Job. The book of Job was written before the book of Genesis, before Psalm 90, before Moses penned anything in, on paper. God gave him a revelation, may have introduced him to Job. He may have met Job on the backside of the desert. But he meets this guy that's going through all these storms, literal hell, and yet he's not giving up his faith in God. How many of us so many times go through a little challenge or a little pain or a little problem and we want to blame God? Listen, it is what it is. Life is what it is. It rains on good people. It rains on bad people. Good people drown. Bad people drown. Earthquakes take place. Innocent children are, lose their lives. We cannot explain that. We cannot change that. All we can do is walk in as much faith as we can possibly walk, walk in and realize that God is going to use all things what the enemy intended for evil. Some good is going to come out of it. And when Job began to talk to God and God began to talk back, all of a sudden Job said, I have got to put my hand over my mouth, not once, not twice, because what I have been saying does not line up with truth. And what I've been saying does not line up with the word of God. God wants to bless you. God wants to minister. God wants to chase you down and overwhelm you with blessings. But there are things in between. When you go to a grave, you'll see the date they're born, the date they died, and there's a slash. And really, the day we were born is not all that important because Job said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and a lot of trouble. And the day that we die is not important because if we love God when we die, we're going to go to heaven. But what happens in that slash in between? 
what are we doing for the kingdom? What are we doing for one another? What are we doing to be a blessing so that on that day when we stand before him, we hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And God has made it so simple that all we've got to do is find someone that's hungry and buying a meal. All we can do is find somebody that's broke or in trouble and help meet their need. All we've got to do is take our clothes out of our closet. You know what I... I've realized I can only wear one sports jacket, one sport jacket. I've got, I, I've got so many ties right now. If I wore a tie every Sunday at the coming of the Lord, I would die before I wear all the ties. I have my closet, and I'm not exaggerating. Now, socks, I don't know what happens to socks. I think the washing machine eats them. I preached a sermon several years, Brother Gary, on where the lost things go. I don't know where the socks go. And right now, Susan, I'm working on my third set of car keys. The backup to the backup of the backup is now lost. I cannot find my car keys. However, <laughs> did, that, did that help anybody today? However, God brings things into our life that we can walk in and we can honor and we too can be blessed. It's not that difficult. But when I think back, how many meals did I buy this week to bless somebody? Who did I give clothes to this week? Who did I, who did I send a letter or, 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 or get a phone call? And you do know that about every other day, Pastor John calls. He calls at the church. Staff has been told no matter how many times he calls, you answer. No matter, no, more, no matter what it takes. My phone bill is several hundred dollars a month trying to be a light there for him that he can call and he can be ministered to. Does anybody mind that we do that? And you know what? He told me, he told me yesterday, he said, Pastor, I feel like people that have forgotten me. I've not received a letter in months. So see, God puts people like that into our life that we can respond. You see, when you write somebody in prison, they all of a sudden realize, yeah, I'm alive. I'm not dead. See, prison, they, they want to they make you think you're dead. They want to they make you think you're nothing. They want to make you think you're a hamster in a cage, and they throw you whatever food they want to. And, and, and if they want you warm, they get you warm. If they don't want you, it's a hellhole. And so we, we, we give up hope there. We, we, we feel like we're losing it there. And one letter, one postcard, and I'm preaching to the choir because you'll all go out tomorrow and write a uh, letter to him. He's also wanting somebody to subscribe U.S. Today. I, we used to do it. I don't know how we lost doing it, but we plan to start it back up. You know why? Because whatever I do for John Price, I'm doing to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what it costs, what it takes. One day, he and I are going to stand together before God and God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he's going to overwhelm me with the blessings of the Lord. At the end of Job's life, we know that it was greater than the former. And at the end of Job's life, we find that everything the enemy had tried to steal, God literally doubled. And in that doubling, we see that Job had 10 children, seven boys and three girls. Every time a boy had a birthday, and there would have been seven birthdays a year to line up the seven feasts of Israel. And I have time to talk about parallels. But every time there was a feast, all the kids came over, whoever's birthday, and they celebrated. And probably because it took them a day or two to get there, they probably celebrated a week or two. And Job was so concerned that his children may have done something incorrect while they were celebrating and while they were rejoicing. I'm sure they had wine. I'm sure they probably had too much to drink. I'm sure that he worried about that. And the Bible says that the thing that he feared the most had come upon him. And I don't know what, what you fear. I don't know what you're afraid of. But I think any dad, any mom, the one thing that you would never want anything to happen to your children we guard them. We watch over them. We can't stand it when they skin their knee. We want to be there with them. Last night, I mean, I, I felt so sorry for Courtney. Uh, she was taking Christine to the carnival, and so she got ready to leave. And I said, do you have your pepper spray? Do you have your mace? Do you have your 38 Coke Cobra? I mean, I know that's silly, 
but a dad wants his kids saved. Does that, does that make sense to anybody? So when God began to restore all the wealth, everything that he had, the Bible says that God gave Job 10 more kids. Everybody think about the woman just for a minute and say, wow. Wow. Say it backwards. Mom. There you have it. Mother's Day. I knew I'd tie this in somehow. Upside down. I'm sorry. There's always a, an analytical type B person that is going to correct me, and I need that all that I can get it. However, however, when Job had 10 more kids, for some reason, Mish, he names the three daughters. 20 kids. We don't know any of their names. But the Bible says these three girls were fairer than any of the girls in the land. And that Job did something completely unheard of. Job gave them the equal inheritance right along with their brothers. And you know that ladies were not entitled to inheritance. Moms were not entitled to inheritance. The older son got a double portion. It was his responsibility to take care of mom in case dad died. And that was a responsibility of the older son. Girls didn't have an inheritance because Eve ate of the fruit when her husband should have been there telling her, baby, you don't talk to snakes. Here's what we do with snakes. <laughs> yeah, if he'd have been there where he should have been, come on. Help me, ladies, this is a very important part right here, is that we've been blaming the woman for 6,000 years. It wasn't her fault. It, Job, uh, the, uh, what's his name? Adam was out surfing or fishing or hunting or probably watching football on TV or had the best somewhere. He obviously wasn't where he should have been. Help me. And so all through all this time, the, the woman has looked down. She's, she's this, she's that. And, and you know what? That was all redeemed at Calvary under the, under the curse of the law. God did away with all of that. But Job had a glimpse of the things of God. So he gives his three daughters their inheritance. And then he lives to see two more generations. Actually saw about five generations. Lived a wonderful, incredible life. But let me today in closing just share with you the three things that every person in this building, and I'm doing this for moms, Every person in this building that wants to build a king. You see, either you're nurturing someone else or you're nurturing yourself. Help me. Revelation 1, God told us that he has made us to be kings and priests. And kings operate in dominion. Priests operate in glory. You are a glory producer. You are the priest, the, the, the prophet, priest, and king of your family. You are the priest that goes to God and worships him. And you are the king that goes out and takes the wealth of the wicked to bless your family and to bless the church. So that's the call that God has given you to be a king and to be a priest. And to learn how to be what God wants you to be and do what God wants you to do, we look at the daughters of Job. They later became moms, birth children. The daughters... The first daughter that came into Job's life, or, or the first daughter that Job named, her name was Jemima. Everybody say Jemima. Uh, would you sing the song with me? Are you ready? And Jemima pancakes without the syrup is like the spring without the fall. There's only one thing worse in this universe, and that's no Aunt Jemima at all. These guys are looking at me like I have three heads. They've never heard. They've never heard any of that. And remember, Winston tastes good as a cigarette should, not like a cigarette should. Anyway, look at somebody say Jemima. Jemima. The word Jemima, can I tell you what it means? I'm going to tell you whether you say I can or not. <laughs> Little dove. Little dove. When Noah was on the ark for 150 days, rain on the, the ark, another 
hundred some odd days, the Bible says that Noah sent out a raven. The Bible says the raven went to and fro the earth, never came back. You'll find the raven feeding Elijah a little later in life. And if God has got to use bad things to do good things for you, he will do it. Then God, Moses, Noah sends out a dove. Dove's out there for a while, comes back. He's, he's burned out. He's wore out. Moses takes him, puts him back. The Bible says a week later, Moses takes the dove again. Not a dove. Look at somebody say, the dove. Not a dove. The same dove that went up the first time, he sends him out the second time. And the second time he comes back with an olive branch in his mouth, which represents Israel and peace. Israel is described as the olive tree. That was not a trick question. You guys should have known that. The, 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 the branch represents peace. We have an eagle on our dollar bill, and, and, our, and the eagle's clutch are things that represent peace. So that's, that kind of lines up. Okay. The third time he sends a dove out, guess what? Doesn't come back. Until when Jesus was baptized in Jordan River, the Bible says that God spoke from heaven. Holy Ghost came down in the form of a dove and rested on his shoulder. How cool was that? The first prophecy of the comforter of the Holy Spirit. So although Job went through all hell, he knew there was a comforter. And no matter what storm he was in, he names his children peace. He saw the glass half full, not half empty. Let me careful here, not fuss, because you don't know exactly what I'm fussing at. But you know, we thank God every day that we are alive. We thank God every day that we're able to walk and get up and go and do things that we can do. We need to thank God for the good things and let God take care of the bad things. The second daughter he named was Cassia or Cassie. And Cassia was an ingredient that was used in worship. Job never lost his focus. He never lost his worship. He walked in peace and he continued to worship God. In the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. In every thing give him thanks and if we could have the mindset of no matter how bad it is right now in my life it's it's worse than someone else's life and if i can take some pressure off of somebody else then just by doing a good deal how many, you just feel good when you do you do something good you just anybody feel good the other day i opened the door for somebody and and, and they said oh thank you i said well that's the only good thing i'm going to do today that was my good deed for the day and i've heard people say that but it makes you feel good when you do something special for somebody else Yesterday, I went to the store three times, got all the wrong stuff. Pastor Ron, to go back this morning. Ne never send a man to do a woman's job. Hello. Amen. When I got there yesterday, there was a, a little mom, obviously having a tough time, having a little baby, and she's trying to get the baby through the line. And so I took it upon myself to take all of, all of the things out of her grocery cart and put it on the, on the rack for us so the cashier could, you know, ring it up. And, and you know what? She, she never said thank you. I mean, it, it didn't hurt my feelings that she didn't say thank you because I didn't do it for her. So when you begin to do good things, begin to feel good about yourself, that's because God has, has allowed you to enjoy all that he has. And, we're, and when you begin to think how bad things are in your life, there's always somebody that's worse. That's worse. Third ingredient, Karen Kapuk is a, was her name. What a, what a name. Just, let me just say Carrie. Let's call her Carrie. Carrie, when you look at the Hebrew definition, it is the dye made from the sea that the girls used as their eyeliner. And I know you've been asking, how are you going to make this spiritual? 
Because when you highlight the eyes, you represent vision. And no matter how bad things got in Job's life, he never lost his vision. Tomorrow, the difficulties that we go through, the storms that we encounter, remember three things. He is our peace. He's broken down every wall. We can go boldly in the throne of God, in the presence of God, and petition him and intercede and make him aware of not just praising him, but the things that we need. The second thing that we realize is that we don't just praise him in good times. We don't just praise him when we, we got blessed with the bonus or we, we, we got that special boy to call us back, but we praise him also in the bad times. We worship him in the good and in the bad. And the third thing that we realize is that God has spoken some things over us, to us, that we've recorded. Get those things out, rehearse them, remind God of the vision, remind God of the promises, and then do the right thing until God brings the vision to pass. God, that. Okay. Praise God, I'm putting my notes up. Think about those things. Think about those things that God has spoken to us. Think about all of the cool ladies of the Bible. Think of, think of the moms and, and ladies in your life. Honor them, bless them, and we're going to believe God for good things to happen. We want to encourage you today to enjoy your family. Love on them. Let them know you appreciate them. Don't, don't, don't put it off. Don't, don't pause. There is a possibility that something could happen between now and the next time you get to be with him. You're going to somebody's house that's not a Christian. Let God use you to share the love of God. And maybe they'll see that and they may turn their hearts towards the things it has for them. Father, we 